Hello and welcome to the Garbanzo Beancast, episode 31. Uh, took a couple weeks off once again. I'm hoping to get back in the swing of things here with a little bit more free time. Um, I'm not sure how long it's going to last, but we shall see. There are a lot of fun things to be talking about in this one. I have multiple questions to answer and we are in the off season so there is a ton of stuff to respond to react to and give my opinion on uh first things first buffalo made it to the challenge cup finals beating the west kennel platoon and they won the challenge cup finals which is pretty good job on their part winning two cups in three years i'm I'm actually kind of surprised i know they have a a very stacked team but in the regular season they did not do all that well but i have to give them credit for being as successful as they have been um and this actually brought me to an interesting discussion with a couple other members with regards to Um, Buffalo's roster because Buffalo has a lot of filler players they have, I mean all SHL players do but Buffalo in particular has a few that have been um, campaigned for players being on the championship team roster without them playing really any games or very few minutes and so I asked the SHL about it because I was of the opinion or at least am still of the opinion that if you do not play any minutes at all during the playoffs, then I'm not sure why you deserve to be put on the same level as all those who actually earned that cup. And that's kind of been my thought process. And again, it's it's something that might be not applicable to sim leagues, but the fact that the NHL with the Stanley Cup. You have to have a certain number of games played during the regular season or at least one game during the finals to get your name engraved on the cup. And I take these banners and the names that go along with it as that kind of like engraving. Um and maybe it doesn't matter and I'm just looking too much into it. There's been a few people who have opinions on it um it's and a lot of it's not like specific reasoning it's just like oh i think they should be in oh i think they or oh i think anybody should be in oh i think it has to be a certain um amount or whatever but i was given some interesting perspectives and i still haven't really changed my mind on it just yet especially since the league of accomplished players is Contingent, at least a lot of players' points are contingent on them winning a Challenge Cup. And if we give it to just everybody who was even listed as a filler player while they were sent down, then it's like, does it weaken that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but I figured I'd bring it up here again, just see if there, anybody else has some opinions on it, something they want to discuss. Other than that, the casino's back. I have some things to talk about with that. I know Izzy asked a question that I will get to later on, probably towards the end of this cast. We have head off at uh, head office applications again. I might actually throw my hat into the ring because uh, I mean, why not? I've been in the head office before, and I didn't get accepted the last time, but. Who knows? Maybe something will happen. There was an announcement, though, with regards to head office, which I think I think is a good... Ugh. My lips are not reacting very well with my brain. <clears throat> Eggy made an announcement with regards to the head office in that there's no longer going to be terms for members. For a little while, it was terms that you they, each member would have for a certain number of seasons and now it's just like they don't have any terms at all and I think that's a good addition I think that 
there was no reason to have term limits at all because they could just reapply. So was there ever an instance where somebody reapplied and did not get back in the head office? I sincerely doubt that was the case. I think that once you're in the head office and you reapply, there's no way you're anybody's going above you, regardless of whether somebody might have like the best application ever and yours is the worst. It's, it just seems a little bit odd to even think of the idea that if you applied again, that you'd just be like kicked out like, eh, no, we're going to go with somebody else. I, I would be very surprised if that was the case. I know there's some people in head office who are part of the podcast community and maybe there's some others that listen, but I'd be curious to see if there's people who actually like have had that happen to them before. And then the second one, which is one that is one that I'm not sure exactly what the balance is, but I think they're starting to kind of figure out a balance that works for the members of head office. And they're trying to get the SMJHL reps of the head office into a more um, official role in the SHL head office, which is a good thing. I think that in general, the SMJHL is kind of pushed aside for the SHL. It's more of just like a developmental league. And so people don't seem to care about it as much once their player is gone or once they're done being a GM there. Like, they're just like, you know, that's just for their little, like, fun games while we do real work at the SHL. And I think that mentality is very pervasive, and it still continues to this day, even though I think there's been a lot of strides made in that regard to make the SMJHL be recognized more as a very important aspect of the league, which it is. And I think that this new rule is going to be very good for that. And I'm glad that Eggie and the rest of the head office came to an agreement on something and did a really good job for these two rules. So good on them. First time in a while I'm not complaining about the head office. Um, Yeah, there's not too much else. Um, Not too much to discuss. Because uh, I don't, I don't, I don't really like to talk real life stuff. Because I feel like unless somebody asks me, people don't really care. I know a lot of people talk about their real life stuff on their own po- other podcasts, and I enjoy that stuff, and I think that's cool. But I, uh, for here, I try to keep it strictly SHL related, unless somebody asks, just so that I don't bore somebody with some random personal detail that really doesn't matter. Um. So, really nothing else for me to talk about SHL-related. It's just getting to the draft. Um, I don't know if there's a draft question here. I have just started getting into scouting with Los Angeles, so I'm going to have a better idea of players who get scouted in the coming seasons. So I'll be able to have a better reaction to that. And we have the Reddit draft coming. That's another thing that's um, coming up. We have the... Season 50 class that's coming up next season, and it is going to be a big one. I don't think it's going to be nearly as big as the Season 46 class, just because that Season 46 class just exploded. I don't think anybody was anticipating it. But I think there's definitely going to be a hell of a lot of players, and I hope it continue, we continue to get more players, because I would be very curious to see if we can get another couple expansion teams in the SHL and really, really expand the league because I do think it was good that we were more quick to expand with compared to Buffalo and Portland with Chicago and New Orleans. But I think even so, the league still continues to grow and there's a lot of really, really good players. I mean, look at Buffalo's roster. Like, they're completely stacked. And, like, every single team seems to have a decent chunk of guys. So I hope it keeps on growing. And with this next draft class, we might see more expansion in the SMJHL and the SHL. Who knows? But I'm excited, and I'm looking forward to seeing how things shape out, or shake out would be the right term. So let's get to questions, and these are from a few days ago. Uh, oh, yeah, last Friday. Jeez. Um, so I'm a little bit late to the party on these um, but Wasty, my GM, asks, what expectations do you have for the winter Malden Cannellini line next season? I don't know. I think it's a little bit different because Cannellini was on the second line slash third line slash, you know, second power play unit and 
Malden and Winter didn't really have a lot of ice time together. I remember tracking my, my goals throughout the course of the season, and I don't remember seeing Winter or Malden very much at all. It was mainly uh, Jeff Higgins. And uh, uh, who was the other one? Yeah, Jeff Jeff Higgins, I was, for all 13 of my points, he was a part of um, the play. And then you had Florence Clisters, and then Malden was... Uh, Malden connected for three points, and Winter, not at all. So... I don't know how Cantalini is going to play with them. I have a feeling that at some point we might sh- they might get shaken up because I know that Cantalini has had a tendency to have cold streaks. But I'm looking forward to seeing how they do. I think with Malden scoring as well as he did with the 44 points and the 17 goals, I think that that's he's really going to be the reason that the team succeeds or fails, depending on how he does. I think that uh, Winter is going to do, you know, be a, a big driving force on that line. And I think that, as much as I hate to say it, I think is going to be one of those players that really has to rely on the other two to succeed. And I don't know how that's going to work, because he's only at 900 TP right now. He hasn't even break, broken the 1K mark. And once you're, until you get past that 1K mark, I think you're, it's, you're not really, you don't really have any reliability in terms of how well you do points-wise. But I'm excited. Uh, then he says, I think an Eiffel 65 slash Metallica mashup would be cool, although I watched a documentary about Eiffel 64 and how Blue became a song. It's crazy the band actually was never a band until that song, which was a collab of a couple of musicians working at the same studio at the time, formed a band. It wasn't a question, but more of a knowledge bomb. Hmm. Now everybody who listened has that knowledge bomb. Thank you, Westy. Uh, talk about your hockey equipment. Oh, that's an interesting one. Um... My hockey equipment is pretty old. I've gotten to the point where I don't need to be getting new equipment very often because I'm not playing in a competitive enough league to where it warrants that. And also, I like to spend my money on things that I really need to get. Like, the most recent thing that I bought were, um, other than sticks, was probably... It was probably my helmet. I bought a new uh, Bauer helmet i don't know exactly what the brand was but it was like in the mid-tier and i bought it was like a navy helmet based on my beer league team's uh team colors but that that helmet's probably like three or four years old my skates are about four years old my shin guards are four to five years old my l no my maybe my shoulder pads were actually the most recent thing i got because those were aren't really shoulder pads they're like um it's like a padded shirt because again it's beer league and i i have no use for shoulder pads because there's no hitting so i got those probably the most recently i uh, i'm trying to just go back here the gloves that i currently wear which are wearing down i need to get rid of i got in like 2013 or something like that 2014 as a christmas gift and they actually match the color scheme of my team which is pretty cool um, Jockstrap probably 2010-ish I need to get that replaced uh, Elbow pads 2008 maybe And I would say that the I wouldn't say it's just it's the case The oldest piece of equipment I have Are my hockey pants Which I got back in 2005 so those are, f- my pants are 14 years old, and when you fall, you feel them. I've already, like, bruised my tailbone a couple times because I haven't replaced my damn pants, and I really need to do that. That's one thing that I need to do at some point is get new hockey pants because if I injure my tailbone again, I might break it and make it net for not be able to play hockey very well after that. As far as my favorite equipment, I like my gloves because... They've gotten used to my hands, and they feel really, really good. I like my helmet. Just feels good on my head. Um, And I like my padded shirt. It's, like, nice to have a little shirt that, like, mitigates the contact a little bit with, like, hockey pucks and sticks and and whatnot, but doesn't... isn't too cumbersome. But when it comes to equipment, it's just, like, I don't know. I mean, a lot of my stuff's pretty old. 
least not not old old. I'm sure there's a lot of people who have much older equipment, but you know, it's when you're getting new equipment every <clears throat> two three years, relatively speaking, or generally, um, you know, it's different not getting equipment and being okay with not getting a lot of equipment. Uh, what way do you shoot? I am left-handed, and I am not right-handed, so there's that. Uh, what type of player? Well, I, on beer league at least, I play both defense and forward. So depending on where I'm at, I, it changes the way things are. When I play defense, I play a defensive defenseman role because uh, there's a lot of decent players on, the, on my team that I can give the puck to, and I don't have to worry about moving the puck up myself too much. And I think that in beer league, there's not a lot of guys who are willing or at least know exactly how to play defense really really well and I think I'm a that's the one thing that I've always been really good at is playing defense like incredibly well like I uh have been recognized for that before like with my former like competitive hockey teams um which doesn't mean a lot I'm sure there's a lot of people who've played higher competitive leagues but just you know the fact that I've been recognized you know makes me think that I have a decent understanding of the defensive side of the game um, but as far as when I play forward, I play probably more of a playmaker. I try to do things that I think are important, but are not necessarily utilized in beer league. Um, first thing that I do that nobody on my team does at least is, um, during a power player, whenever we have the puck in the zone with pucks at the point, I try to get in front of the net. I try to just get a body in front and block the goalie's vision, which is it's worked a lot of times. Uh, our last championship win for Beer League, actually the game winner was scored because I was in front of the net. Um, we had a defenseman who had it right at the point, and I was standing in front of the net, just took a shot, it kind of was floating, and I just, like, at the last minute moved away, and the goalie had no idea it was coming. It just went, boop, right in the back of the net. And that's something that I understand why a lot of guys don't do it because you don't want to get hit with a puck because in beer league you never know where that puck's going to go. But I spent all my professional, not my professional, but my competitive career playing defense and dropping down to block shots. So hockey pucks don't really scare me anymore. I've I've probably blocked so many shots that you know I could be like that like that Terry Sawchuck helmet where you got all the stitches for where a puck hit it. You just put that all over my body from all the, all the places that I've been hit with a puck. But in four, that's where I, I try to be, is in front of the net, so I can at least make things more difficult for the goalie. And I've actually scored a lot of goals doing that by being in front of that, getting a rebound off. And other than that, I try to just be wherever our my teammates aren't. Because we're not, you know, we don't really have a system, so I just try to make things easier by being in a position where I can, you know, score. And a lot of the time that is down low in the corners or in the slot where I can get a pass and get a a decent shot away. And depending on which goalie is involved, you can actually score a decent amount unless you're playing in like super competitive beer league, which we're not. We're playing in a somewhat competitive, but I mean, we get our asses kicked if we played even like any kind of like junior team that was worth their salt. But, you know, and it's actually kind of funny because that's I've that's Alonzo Garbanzo was what I initially wanted to be was like my player as a defensive kind of guy, and that didn't quite work out that way. And Canellini, I'm kind of molding him somewhat to that mold, or getting shots off, maybe getting some uh, time in front of the net. But with STHS, you can't really uh, show that or demonstrate that in any way. So I guess you know I can't really be the exact same. Uh, and the most memorable hockey memory, probably as far as an in-game memory was in high school, we were playing a division rival, which is fun, which is actually a, uh, their high school is in the city that my dad worked at, but also they were like directly north of my hometown and they were like both cities were pretty affluent like not like we're not talking like super rich but like what enough to where it's like 
you just see, you're basically only seeing white people rich like that that kind of rich where it's like it's just at that level where like oh yeah this is the the very gentrified neighborhood but they were a little bit more affluent than we were so there was like this kind of rivalry with our hometown trying to be being a little bit uh of having a little bit of a napoleon complex because they had a little bit more money so there was like this little rivalry thing going and so it was kind of a big game because we didn't like them they didn't really like us and we're down two to three in the third period there's probably like three minutes left the uh there's a face-off in the offensive zone i come out on the ice i'm on the right like the face-offs on the right circle in the opponent's zone i'm on the right point on defense and I, i still remember exactly how it happens the center who gets the or center wins the face-off and he's a short guy and it's really funny how he's able to manhandle the guy to get the puck takes it and then passes it right to me at the point i shift to the left just kind of like stick handling getting in a good lane to shoot wind up for a clapper and then i let it rip and it goes bar down far side basically if you look at steve eiserman's 1996 game seven double overtime goal against St. Louis. It's literally the same thing, except I'm doing it from a point position instead of rushing up the ice. And it was probably the most intense feeling I've ever felt playing a hockey game in my life. I could not believe it even went in. And the fact that it went as fast as it did and as hard as it did, that was probably the hardest shot I've ever taken in my life. And I, I, after, after I saw that puck go in, I don't remember anything after that, like until I got to the bench or the, uh, yeah, the bench. Because I was just so excited, I just I didn't know what to do. I I didn't know I didn't even know if I sullied or what. And it was just I could I was just so overjoyed by the fact that I was able to score that goal. And that was because I wasn't that skilled as far as offensively, and our team wasn't that good. That was the only goal I scored. But it was, and maybe that's why it's so memorable. But that was just an insane goal for me. Um. And I don't think anything really comes close. I've had a lot of good moments. I've had, like, I think a lot of my moments have been general memories of ex- of times that I've had with different teams and different teammates, but never any um, thing quite like that. I think the second most memorable, well, there's, like, probably two. First was when I, I played in my first college hockey game. We were playing against a team that was a lot better than us, and we got our asses kicked, but it was surreal to be part of that environment to have like college students it was a away game so it was college students cheering against you and jeering you the entire time but just it was such a different experience than it is in high school because high school you know is not as much of like a frenzy when it comes to co- like high school sports but college sports no matter what level you're at your college is going to have some kind of group of people that are gonna be like you know oh man you know gotta watch the team play or whatever you know and that was really fun it was really amazing and just being able to soak that in for the first time was something else i even got i mean i got a penalty out of (laughs) during that game too which so it was uh definitely on the score sheet at least and then probably the the one that would be tied with that would be when i played an outdoor game with the same team the first time i played the outdoor game there was actually a uh a rink in the downtown Detroit area that during the winter time they they flood it and make an ice rink out of it and we played two games over the course of a weekend and I don't think we won either of those games I think we might have won the first game and lost the second one but like we put like the um whatever that that paint stuff is under the eyes and it was a, a crazy memorable experience to be a part of that and it's something that like to be able to experience that kind of like environment even if it is like a little bit different than you know what you're used to it's it was it was something else now your last question is how many goals do you think you've scored in your life in official games here's the thing though what do you mean by official games are we talking about like games that have an official we're not talking about like like little like skates where you you know shoot the puck around. I'm assuming. Between high school and college, I scored one goal. High school again, I was a defensive def- defensive defenseman, and the team wasn't very good, so I didn't get a lot of chances to like shine, and I didn't really try. In college, it was like a step above, and 
I was specifically put out there to be a guy to keep goals out of my own net. I was not out there to score goals at all. So I know how many I I uh, scored in those four seasons that I played in high school and college combined. In other games, I honestly couldn't tell you. I mean, I can check my beer league stats. Let's do that. Let's check out the beer league stats. And just let's see. Let's have me uh, talk about how amazing I am at hockey. I've scored one goal so far this season in three games. Um, what the hell? Oh, sorry. I was looking at our um, standings, and for some reason, we're last in the league, even though we beat a team. But the team that lost lost everybody, and they got dropped down to a different division. So we're playing. There's a couple other um, teams involved, but. Let's go to the false. Okay, so I have one goal in three games so far. We've had like five guys, like two of the games, so we've had no legs. Um, Spring of this season, I had four goals in seven games. And then in fall, I know I had, I think, 10 goals in like 20 games. I think I led the team in goals. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, no, I had 10 goals in 18 games. Apparently I only had one assist. Beer League is, is terrible about tracking assists. So, um, yeah, I led, led the team in goals, which is kind of interesting. Um, then we go back to the fall of the previous season. How did I do then? Uh, in 14 games, I had five goals and 15 points. So I've been a pretty consistent goal scorer, all things considered. Haven't been too bad. Um, so I don't know, somewhere in the double digits. I don't know if I've scored 100 goals. I mean, I haven't played that many games. In my younger days, I did not score a lot because I played defense. And now that I get a chance to play offensively, I get a few more chances to do things like that. Um <clears throat> But thank you, Wasty, for the questions. Gave me a lot of things to talk about, and I appreciate it. CFJ asks, Hey, Argar, what are your thoughts on this season's Hall of Fame class in the SHL draft? How close was your mock? It wasn't. I, uh... One second, I gotta... I basically um, copied my mock off a teammate, and he actually was changing it multiple times before the draft actually began, so mine was way out of date. I should have had five uh, uncapped TPE, but I had I finished with three, which sucks. And that's the one thing with a mock draft. You never know. I mean, it's hard to figure out what the GMs want, and once GMs start to go against the grain, then all of a sudden like, all bets are off, and I don't understand how guys get like ten uncapped TPE. Like, how the hell are they able to figure that out? But, I don't know. Thank you for the question, CFJ. Slappy Doodle asks, any fantasy sleepers for this coming year? Um, there's actually a couple that I remember looking at when I was in the, uh, when I was doing my draft. Um, one of them was Noah Khan, who is a defenseman, I think. No, he's a forward. And I think he had a pretty decent year, and I think he is poised to do a lot better next season and I was actually surprised he fell so low I saw him there and I was like you know what I'm going to let him go for just a second um, and then pick him up later and then he got picked up right below my nose which sucks um, I think Nicky Petter, uh, Peterson Jr. will do pretty well for himself I mean it's Peterson's player so I don't can't imagine um, you know him failing uh, Maui is another guy who I was looking at very closely. Wasn't able to get him either. Um, but I think most of them, I mean, most of the guys are pretty much expected to go where they go. Um, I don't think God McZero is going to have nearly as good of a season as some think. I think because he resigned in Minnesota that it's going to be an interesting season for him. I don't think he's going to be near that successful, but we'll see. 
But that's about it. when it comes to fantasy. I've been off and on on fantasy. Sometimes I joined it. Sometimes I have not because I think fantasy is one of those where it's like it's kind of a crapshoot a lot of the times. Um, maybe I just suck at it. So I've kind of like don't have that much of a uh, interest in it. Uh, and then your next question is: I'd love to hear your thoughts on Hamilton signing Jack Duggan. I don't know the backstory behind Jack Duggan. I just know that he was a restricted free agent, and for some reason he decided he didn't want to play for Winnipeg. I, I don't know why, and I'm not sure. Like I, I'm just I have trouble like understanding what exactly is going on here, especially considering his price tag, fifteen thousand. And I think they have to give up a first rounder in this upcoming draft, which I mean I don't even know. Um So I guess Winnipeg doesn't have cap space? Oh that's that's concerning. So it's almost like a fuck you move by Hamilton. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know so much about that. I mean I, I'm glad that we get some uh interesting transactions, but I don't know what to think about it. I don't know what's Jack Duggan's TPE at right now. Like, what are we, what are we talking about when it comes to who, like this guy? He's a season forty-seven at five fifty-four. So I'm assuming. I mean, he's a hundred below Aaron Wilson, so I guess it's not that great. But he might be pretty good. I don't know. Definitely could be decent. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm curious what you would what you're looking for me to say because I think you know that I don't know too much about the situation to really give my my hot take about it. But I, I'm trying to think of the last time that an RFA was signed by a different team. I don't know. Who knows? Um, and then he asked, "Do you like the current process surrounding RFAs?" I don't think I have anything to complain about. If this is, like, the one issue that we have to, to talk about over the course of my entire time on the site, then I think we're doing okay. I think things are A-okay. So I can't really complain. I don't know if it's been talked about in head office or not, so maybe you can shed some light on it. Um, but I haven't seen any any issues, and I don't think... There's anything really to worry about or try to fix. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think one guy getting signed an offer sheet is not a sign of the system being broken. <laughs> Excuse me. How's your summer been thus far? Yeah, it's been fine. Um, having to get my car repaired, which sucks. Um, that's kind of thrown a wrench into like different plans as far as like how I was going to be moving money around uh, this summer, but I can't complain. I've lost some weight doing some uh, working out and eating healthier, generally. So, you know, can't complain. Hopefully uh, summer ends on a good note and uh, winter doesn't suck as bad as it did last year. Hope it's a decent winter that, you know, is not going to be as goddamn cold. But thank you, Slappy Doodle, for the questions. Looking forward to the big Slappy Hour. Now, Mike Izzy with the question of the week. So, Casino Season 2 is out, and with that is the premiere of the shocking new Losers.exe algorithm executable, which, although you don't have to call it an executable if it's an exe fine but whatever which was used to help create this season's betting lines give us a similar casino rundown that you did for season one and what bets are you taking this time i actually wrote it down on my notepad of who i bet for i know one of the bets because i thought it was a no-brainer because of my own personal experience with this team um i put the la panthers on the over of 28.5 Oh, I can't read any of this. Oh, that sucks. Oh, no, we get Here it is. I put Stampede at 28.5 under. And I put the Manhattan Rage at 26.5 under. 
Now, with L.A., I think it's pretty simple. Los Angeles did not have a good year. They're still a rebuilding team, or we're still a rebuilding team. But I think 20.5 is too low. I think that even if Cannellini does you know, a little bit better, that team's going to get two or three more wins during the season. I don't know if we'll be a playoff team. I think we'll be close to the cusp, if not, you know, maybe a bubble team. But I think that 20 wins or 21 wins is perfectly attainable. As far as the Buffalo Stampede, I'm not sure I buy them being a consistent threat to be like a President's Trophy winning team. I think that 28.5 is a very uh, interesting number in that they could do really, really well and just shatter it. Or do really, really poorly and just go below it. But I think that they'll be within that range, but I think they'll be below. And this is one of those ones where I'm just, maybe it's because I'm, I'm griping because Buffalo has two cup wins in the last three years. But it just I'm not sure if I buy Buffalo being that successful. Just with how inconsistent their regular season success has been. And with Manhattan, I just don't think they're quite ready to hit that hump of 25 wins. I don't think they'll hit 25. I just think that I think they have a lot of players that they might be able to make that step. And this could be me just really not, you know, reading the tea leaves very well. But I don't know. There's something about that team that I think 20, 25, I mean, I think they might get close to 26.5, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to, to get to that mark. Maybe. Um, now, the one criticism that I will have for the Casino Season 2 is the way the formatting has been done for the uh, Google form. When you look at the results and who voted for everything, all of the teams are put into one pie chart. And then the over and under for all of those teams is put into another pie chart. So I don't know who voted the over or the under for any of the teams, other than my own. I just know overall how many people voted in the over. And it seems like the propensity of people voted on the over of these teams. I don't know in what way they did, but they did. So maybe they, you guys can do a form that allows me to go step-by-step step through who's voting for what or, or who's you know, doing what, but it's whatever. I mean, not a big deal. Um, but yeah, looking at these ones, because these are a lot better. I mean, you guys did a great job. I, 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 crap, I forgot who it was now. Um, sent me a message like showing me the spreadsheet of how everything was kind of calculated, and it was really well done, and I can see that a lot of effort went into these numbers, because these numbers are a lot better than they were last season, and they're numbers that are a lot more like iffy in terms of, like, I don't know which way I want to go. Um, but yeah, let's take a look here. So we got Buffalo at 28.5. I mean, you already kind of put me... or already know where I'm at with that. I'm, I'm putting them on the under. With that, I think that the team could very well get past that 28.5. And again, this might be my bias, but I just think that that's a team that could very well go back in the downswing and have a, a very unfortunate season and maybe be just 500 team. Maybe, maybe not. Um, Calgary is over under 24.5. I think, I think that's the over. I think Calgary has been doing really, really well, despite the fact that they're a rebuilding team and they're still not like at the level that they want to be. And I think just by virtue of the fact that they have players that are going to be improving, just because they're updating. And even if they don't make any roster changes, I think they'll be able to get that extra win that they need. And I think that this one is probably one of the more easy overs of this group. And I think if I was to vote again, I'd probably go with Calgary on the over with this one. I'd, I'd be very surprised with um, Ace's ability as a GM if for this team to miss the playoffs and not get at least a 500 record. Chicago Syndicate, uh, over and under of 21.5. I, th- I probably go the over because 21 wins is a really low number. And I think that you got to be really, really bad. And I think there's one team probably in this entire thing that's that's that bad to where they're reliable to 
whether it's reliable to assume that they would go below that threshold. Um, so, I mean, I think it's it's an interesting one because Chicago is a team that's still rebuilding, and I don't know how competitive they're going to be. But I think you got to go with the over, just because there's not that many 21-win teams or teams that are around that level. And I think Chicago isn't really there yet. I think they're going to be a little bit better this season. Then you have Edmonton at 27.5 over and under. I'm not sure if Edmonton has had some additions or their players have like hit like a real big stride to warrant this number, but I think it's a bit high. Just a bit, though. Not a lot, but just a bit. And I think this isn't a team that would be safe to go the under on. I think they'll be... Actually, you know what? This might... Yeah, this is a close one. I think... Not even thinking about it. No, I'm still going to go the under. I think they'll be 25, 26 wins. And they'll be above 500 team. And they'll be, you know, in the thick of it during the regular season. But I don't see them getting 28 wins. I think that's a bit of a high mark. And I don't know if Edmonton has really been that kind of team to get that those kind of number kind of wins in recent memory. I mean they had 33 wins in season 47, so I don't know. Hamilton at 24.5. I'd go with the over. I think that's another team that's I think they're pretty young. I think they have a lot of good pieces. I think Ben Dover's older, but other than that, I think they can definitely uh make some noise and be able to, to pass that 25-win threshold. And I don't, I don't think that's terribly controversial. And I'll talk to you a little bit about this, but the Los Angeles... Los Angeles. <laughs> Los Angeles Panthers with the over-under of 20.5, and I would definitely go the over. I think Cannellini was on fire towards the end of the season, and I think if he just had a couple more points, then that team would have won... A game or two, and I I will be very surprised if Los Angeles is in the at the bottom of the barrel again. Um, I'd be very curious to see how Minnesota does in comparison. I think Los Angeles is probably going to feed off Minnesota a little bit, and they'll be able to get that twenty one wins pretty easily. Uh, Manhattan, I believe I explained this to. Uh, I have them on the under. I mean that's a that's a, a ten win improvement from last season, and I don't know if they got it in them to do that. I mean they were at the bottom of the league for a reason. I don't know how many teams go from the bottom of the league to you know twenty seven wins and in the thick of the playoff hunt. Not sure how many that times that happens, but I think you got to go with the the not sure thing, but the more reliable bet and go with the under on that one. Uh, Minnesota Chiefs at 22.5. I'd almost go over. I think Los Angeles is going to have a better, a higher improvement than Minnesota. But I think both will improve. And I think Minnesota could hit 23 wins. I'm being very, very, very uh, optimistic about a lot of these, but I'm not sure. You know, that's kind of the best I got. Uh, New England Wolfpack, 26.5. Ooh, boy. I think I'm going to go with the under. I think New England is kind of in limbo. I don't know if they know exactly where they're going as far as their direction. I I think they said that they know what their direction is, but uh, that's one of those teams I think is going to take a big fall, and I don't know really how good their roster is other than a, a few players and then you got Tiggle Biddies at defense it's probably him Kalju Goatsy and Robert and Ulrich are probably like their their guys and I don't know if that them by themselves are going to be able to make that number of wins uh, New Orleans at 28.5 I don't know I'm a New Orleans hater and they keep on proving me wrong, but I'm going to keep on hating. I'm going to keep on hating on. I think this is they're an under team. I don't. I think at some point they're 
players are going to start regressing to the point where they just can't pick up the slack and they're going to drop. I think they'll be 26, 27 wins, 25 maybe with, you know, a few overtime losses. But 28 and a half, that's 29 wins. Mm-mm, not seeing it. San Francisco Pride, 27.5. I think I might go the over. I think San Francisco has made like major strides since last season. And I think the fact they continue to improve shows that their prospects are really starting to blossom. And I think that at this point, they're going to have a really, really big season. And I can see that I can definitely see them hitting over on that on that mark. Uh, Tampa Bay Barracuda at 22.5. This is an interesting one because Tampa Bay was first in the East last season. But their over-under is very, very low. 22.5. That's that's incredibly low. I think they drop. I don't think they drop that low. I think they're I think they're going with the over. I don't think they'll be that far below. Now, a team that I think might drop back a bit is Texas, and I think I'm going to go with the under on the 25.5. They have a couple good pieces that I mentioned in fantasy that I think are going to have decent years, but I think a lot of that is going to be by virtue of the fact that they're going to have a lot of hitters. Because we're not going to have the puck as much. And I think because of that, they're going to be outplayed most nights. And I think that overall, they're not going to get the wins they need. So I would go under on them. Toronto North Stars at 21.5. Why is this number so low? What about their roster? Ooh. Ooh. They got one player who's, like, elite. I'm going to go with the under. I think this team's going to tank. I think they're done, son. I think they're going to be gone, though. No way. Yeah, uh, that, I mean, I can, I can see where that's coming from now, but, yeah, I think they're going to go lower than that. And then West Kendall Platoon at 26.5. I'm going to go with the over. They've been very, very successful over and over and over again. I think last, the season before, was an, ar- an aberration. Did they make the playoffs? They... No, they... Okay, they... It was a year before that. So I think two years ago that was an ar- aberration. I think they're just going to keep on keeping on, and I think they'll be able to crack that number pretty safely. Then the Winnipeg Jets at 25.5. I think this most recent season was an aberration for them, so I think they'll do worse. I think they're going to miss the playoffs, and I think that they'll probably get 22, 23 wins on the season. Now, as far as um, odds to win the Cup, I have no freaking idea. That's some. That's a bridge I'm going to cross later on. But uh, yeah, these numbers are great, and I'm very excited to see how they play out. And I'm excited to talk about them later on in my next Beancast. So thank you, Izzy, for the question, and keep up the good work. Now, last question person is uh, Jay Cortese. He says, "Hi, how do you feel? How did you feel about this year's Hall of Fame voting better than last year's?" It was much better than last year's, but I also think it was a lot more one-sided in terms of who deserved votes. I mean, Randy Randleman got 91 votes out of 100 potential votes that he could have gotten. Asa and uh, and Rikinen got 79 out of possible 100, and nobody else was close. Nobody else was even nominated because these two took the lion's share of the voting points. Um, Jack Durden, I'm a little bit disappointed that he didn't make it this time. I think this was probably one of his best chances to make it. I think it's going to get a little bit more dis- uh, difficult to differentiate himself from others. <clears throat> um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, that's kind of who I expected. I think only Randleman, Enrique, and Durden are the guys who I think of this class who are really, really deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but I'm glad the way it's shaped out, and I'm glad that people are, you know, having a little bit more of a dialogue in there, which is definitely necessary. Um, then you ask, are you a fan of LA's draft class? Uh, other than Toivu, I don't know any of them yet. 
I haven't quite uh, gotten to that point, but I will let you know when I do. Uh, if you could have Cantley play with any two current SHLers on his line, who are they and why? Can't pick any play players. Well, that's probably an obvious. Um, I would have loved to play with Randleman when he was around. Um, that would have been fun to have him as my winger. Uh, Mike Izzy would be fantastic to play with. So I'd probably go um, Catalini and Izzy. And then who would be my next guy? Um, What the hell? He's on Edmonton now. I'd probably want to play with Terrence Nova. It's a former teammate. And Sarmo's a good guy. So yes, Nova... Cannellini and Izzy would be a fantastic line. But thank you very much for the questions, and we're coming on to about an hour, which is good timing, because um, I am very, very hungry right now. Um, but thank you for all of you who asked questions. Thank you to all of you who listened. Um, hopefully we'll be getting this every single weekend. I'll hopefully be recording every Saturday or Friday, depending on the circumstances. Um And I'm looking forward to uh, talking more SHL stuff with you again. But until then, we'll see you next time.